Hi everyone, this is my CHN podcast, Health Conversations Without Barriers. I'm Elijah Sharif. My name is Mariela Salgado. And I'm Casida Unachuku. Today we're going to be discussing the six most common types of eating disorders. Today we have a, a psychiatric nurse practitioner with us, and we're going to be going through the six most common types of eating disorders. Um, so a lot of people probably don't know this, but most eating disorders are psychiatric rather than about food. So a lot of us probably have that stereotypical idea in our head that, oh, it's like, you know, you're, you're bored, you're just eating or, you know, you, you just you don't you just don't want to gain weight. So you're, you're just not eating. And then most eating disorders are a lot more complicated than that. So eating disorders typically include um, their mental health conditions uh, that can cause unhealthy eating habits, obsessions with food, body weight, or body shapes. And there are six different types. Um, we'll quickly go through those. Um, so the first type is anorexia. The second type is the most common types is bulimia. The third is binge eating. Um, and the fourth is pica. The fifth is rumination. And the sixth is avoidant slash restrictive food intake disorder. And we'll get into those six symptoms a little bit later. Um, but right now, I want to start with one of the most common types of eating disorders here in the West in America is binge eating disorder. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about your experience um, with binge eating disorder as far as the symptoms and the causes? Okay, so uh, binge eating disorder is a psychiatric disorder that affects uh, can affect anybody. It's the most common um, eating disorder in America. Um, it's pretty much people or individuals eating food in a short period of time. Usually, this leads to overweight, them being overweight or being obese, and um, it can put them at risk for different uh, diseases, heart diseases, diabetes. What are some of the things that kind of cause um, binge eating disorders? And is there anything, any other kind of mental health disorders that are associated with that one? Yes. Um, so mood disorders can sometimes um, come with binge eating. Mood disorder would be like depression. Um, some people might not feel good about themselves, or they might have low self-esteem, which is another symptom of depression. And when they have low self-esteem, they end up overeating because sometimes people think when you have depression you tend to not eat but sometimes it can go both ways so you can sometimes eat a little or overeat so some people can overeat so that's depression is another condition that can go into eating i think that's a very interesting point that you said that usually people think that when you get depression, you, you don't eat. And um, for example, in my case, I know that if I'm stressed, I want to eat. And uh, I have to do things like chew gum or, you know, drink water because I know that it's not that I'm hungry. I ate, you know, I had my normal meal in breakfast or lunch. And it's just that I'm stressed or I'm, I have, I'm having some kind of anxiety and, um, and that's why I want to eat, um, but it's not because I'm actually hungry. So when I when I when I'm particularly stressed, I like to eat. And I have certain things I like to go for. Yeah, I think the the easiest thing to go for it's like cookies and candy and stuff. That, that 
I mean, I wish I could go for an apple, but that's definitely not something I'm reaching for when I'm stressed. Um, some people might have some type of negative, negative feeling towards themselves, um, like body shape and also decide to binge eat. You see this also in teens in school. They might look at themselves because they have a lot of self-esteem issues going on around that age. So always look, at, look, look themselves in the mirror and want to binge eat, you know. So that's another um, group of individuals that that tends to eat more. That's a very sensitive time. Um, high school and middle school in particular, taking matters into your own hands and not not necessarily uh, doing the right things to get the, the results you might want. I, yeah, especially because your parents kind of tell you to do your own things, right? Like if you're hungry, go get food. Like you're old enough to go and open the fridge, um, cook whatever you can cook. So I think it's like a double-edged sword in a way. Now we'll move on to the, the next one. And this one is a bit on the opposite side of binge eating. This one is anorexia. And so with anorexia, that typically includes some sort of anorexia would limit their food intake um, or practice purging behaviors. Um, these purging behaviors can be throwing up. That's the most common one typically. A lot of people with anorexia have a fear of gaining weight, even if they're underweight. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you can do if you think you may be noticing some of the symptoms symptoms of anorexia within yourself? Um, usually it's it's hard for people with anorexia to actually notice it themselves. Usually it's a family member or somebody that notices it because left to the anorexic patient, they usually would not recognize they have this condition. They look at themselves in the mirror and even if they're way below their BMI, they still think that they're, they gain weight or they're, they're in, in quote fat. So it would be left to another person to make that diagnosis and not the, the, the actual person with anorexia. So there are different things we look at. Um, we look at the BMI, like I said, to weigh the patient. Are you gaining weight at all? Um, how has the weight has the weight just drastically dropped? Um, everybody has a BMI, depends on age. So if you look at it and you look at the patient, you can tell, right? They're always restricting their diet, restricting food, not eating. I've had, I've seen patients that go five days, seven days, no eating sometimes would have to commit the patient to a hospital um, if the patient is underage would have to get the consent from the from the parents or sometimes would have to go court order you know to put some type of maybe a tube down the throat to actually put give, make sure that they meet their nutritional need because i mean if you're not getting any nutrients it can lead the cells in your body to eventually wear off and sometimes can lead to death. Um, there are different ways that can, you can put a tube in, you can get a pack tube, you know, different ways to make sure that they get those nutrition. Also, you want to treat them with, with uh, medications. Um, in this case, we'll give them like antidepressant. And also you want to start them with therapy. Um, but left to, left, for, left to the anorexic patient, it's, they, they would not... Um, come out and say, oh, I have anorexia. So it's usually something that a family member notices and they have to, 
essentially should look outside and seek seek some sort of professional help and take it. Yes, so moving on to bulimia. Um, so with this one, people with bulimia typically eat a large amount of food in short periods of time. Um, and much like anorexia, they worry about gaining weight despite being at a normal body weight. Um, they eat until they're painfully full um, during a binge eating episode, and they feel as though they cannot control or stop eating when they are in these eating episodes. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about the, the mindset or the, the psychiatric um, situation um, with bulimia, kind of what's going on in the mind is, and, and what are the kind of the brain um, functions that direct the person to have these kind of disorders? Okay, so it, it's sometimes usually caused by fluctuation and the, or issues in the mesolimbic um, dopamine pathway in the brain. And when you have those issues, that's the same area that affects people with uh, substance abuse. Um, so there, there's some imbalance in, in, in dopamine around that area. So pretty much bulimia and, and, and binge eating, they, they, they have, they're similar. Um, the the, the, the not, most notable difference is the, the, the vomiting. People with bulimia tend to eat to the point of um, it's the point where they get very full and they actually force themselves to throw up. You, you will see people with, with uh, bulimia, whenever you check the back of your fingers, uh, you will see calluses sometimes. And the calluses will, will be formed by, because they, they put their, their hands in their, their throat to make themselves throw up. If you also look at the lining of their stomach, it's usually very uh, eroded because of the acid that has destroyed the lining. If you look at their teeth also, sometimes it's stained because of the vomit. The, if you, if you, you notice that um, the vomit is usually very acidic. So they're constantly doing it and you would see the discoloration in their teeth. Um, so those are the things you look out for. Um, usually it's first noticed by maybe parents or usually they are more open to talking about it than people with anorexia. Treatments would be therapy, antidepressants. Those are the go-to treatments. That, that would be it for bulimia. Um, I saw in a movie that um, one of the girls that suffer from bulimia, um, after eating, you know, they would have a regular like meal with, with their family. And after mm -hmm. eating, she would go to the restroom, straight to the mm -hmm. restroom. She would lock herself there. So it's usually you see what in that time window that they eat, that they have to get rid of the, I guess, the what they have consumed, right? Mm -hmm. And they're, they're very cautious about weight. They're very, very cautious about weight. So that's another thing to look out for. I'm constantly checking weight. And that leads us to our, the next most common um, eating disorder. Avoidant restrictive food intake disorder is when someone undereats due to a lack of interest in food or a disdain for how some foods look, smell, or taste. This is not the kind of, this is beyond like, a, you know, when you were a kid and you didn't want to eat the broccoli or the Brussels sprout situation and, and it was just, you sat there and you had to eat it at the end of the day. This is, well, a much different situation. Um, what are some of the symptoms of avoided or restrictive food intake disorder? Um, so a lot of times you'll see the eating habits will hinder the social activities. 
So like social activities like eating with others, having lunch with friends. Um, these individuals can be deficient in nutrition because they don't have an interest in a lot of foods. Um, they avoid food to the point where the individual is not getting enough calories. So they could be underweight. Next one is rumination disorder. With this eating disorder, individuals can vomit the food they've swallowed and then chew it, chew it again, eat it or spit it out. They can restrict the amount of food they eat and become underweight. So again, these individuals will vomit the food they've swallowed and then chew it, basically kind of spit it up and then chew it again and then swallow it and then repeat. Um, and the last of the six most common eating disorders, there are others, these are the most common that you'll see, is PICA. Um, PICA involves eating objects that are not considered food. So people with PICA may crave non-food objects such as ice, dirt, um, soil, hair, and the list goes on. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about how having these kind of disorder, these eating disorders, the impacts that they have, the psychological impact that they have on the people who have them, who have Maybe they don't know they have them and they're not getting help or not able to get help. What is the psychological impact of these on the people who have them? Okay, so uh, the impact, psychological impact would be um, self-esteem issues. You know, they might feel like they're not good enough. They might be asking, why do why me? Why do, why do I have this? Like, especially in our young population, um, it can really affect them. It usually affects most young people, most of the eating, eating disorders. So usually see this even disorder around young people. Self-esteem issues is a is a is a big is a big part. The lack of the, the self-esteem issues can cause other mood issues like depression, anxiety, and other other mood disorder. And you know with depression it can lead to a whole different thing. At worst it can lead to to a suicide. That's the biggest uh, psychological issue that I feel like um, eating disorders can lead to. You know, I, from a girl's perspective, I know usually they tell women, you know, they're always like, I remember on the lookout, usually like aunts will tell my mom, oh, you need to watch out for her. You know, usually girls get some kind of eating disorder, but this is never applied to boys. So I feel like a boy or a girl can get an eating disorder, right? Mm -hmm. But usually it is very just for women like it's not just for women but you it's the more prevalent. focus yes the focus is always on women but they don't really pay attention to the boys because the boys are also can get a eating disorder um why do you think is is usually that that is always the only focus on the girls when it comes to an eating disorder too so, sorry i don't i don't i didn't understand the question why do you usually think that they only think of the women when it comes to eating disorder, but they don't think of the boys. I think it's a society thing. I think it's the way our society has been programmed to, they feel like um, they would have to check on the girls more because they're more prone to depression than, than men. They tend to notice when girls lose weight. I feel like the women, girls are, or women are also more conscious about their bodies um, than, than men. I feel like it, it pretty much puts the lights on them, on the female, more than male population. That that makes sense. Okay. I think that's very interesting that the eating disorders affect a lot of the younger population. Um, I also read that a lot of eating disorders do affect, they affect men and women, but they do affect women more. And I think 
um, to his point, that is a lot of society as well. Just think about just the expectations that when things are expected of women, when you show up, you go, you go out to dinner, there's a lot more things that so that society society expects women to uh, to look like than they do for men. I think I, that, I, I used to funny story, I used to work in a in a restaurant and I think I was serving this couple one day and the lady had ordered and I didn't know this. I think it wasn't my table, it was someone else's table. And they, the guy had ordered a, a, a filet and the lady had ordered a porterhouse. And I mean, I, I didn't know. I just assumed that the porterhouse was for the guy and the filet, the little bitty six ounce filet was for the female. So I, I just grabbed the filet and I took it to the, I mean, we are, we're all guilty of this somewhere or the other. So I took the filet and I dropped it in front of the woman. And the man was like, no, that's my, that's mine. But yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. There's like expectations, right? So how mm-hmm. you were saying that, um, I have felt like that sometimes on, on a restaurant where I don't want to eat too much. Right. And, and you shouldn't, to be honest, um, now that I'm very into that, I've gotten into working out and like eating right. I know that I don't need 3,000 calories a day. I'm 5'2", so technically I need 1,200 to 1,500 calories to maintain. I, I think it's kind of, going back, I think it's kind of one of those things where in, we feel like if we don't get enough on a plate or if we eat too much, it's already, people are going to notice. But it's kind of like a self, um, like you put it on yourself sometimes. And sometimes people do notice, but it just really depends on, like you said, how, how big the, the plate is or how much the food is. Yeah, I think we do. there are a lot of expectations that even kind of extend beyond gender roles just in the West, probably because of how our food situation is set up. We have so much access and it's like, oh, well, do you really need to eat all that? And now a lot of people are coming more into knowledge of healthier ways of eating. And then, of course, there's, you know, there's the hierarchy thing, how people are, oh, you're gonna, you know, you shouldn't eat that. Everybody's an expert. But that, that will conclude this um, podcast on the six most common types of eating disorders. This has been the MyCHM podcast, Health Conversations Without Barriers. Um, we'd like to thank our guests. Um, thank everyone for joining us and thank everyone for watching and catch us on the next episode. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining.